It's Sunday, March 11th, and this is In the Wheelhouse with Tom and Leo. ITW is a weekly conversation about the Chicago Cubs, baseball, and anything else we want to talk about. I'm Leo Fontana. And I'm Tom Hockney. Today on ITW, we'll examine the Cubs' options for leadoff hitter. The regular season is slated to start in less than three weeks, yay. And there are several unsigned free agents who would help any number of teams. Uh, we'll also do a lap around the league to see what's what. And finally, we'll be talking about the great career of Ichiro Suzuki. Tom, how, how are you? You doing okay? Um, you know what, Leo? If I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> and you know how much space that takes up. Yes, it does. You need a bigger house, Tom. Exactly. You need a bigger house. Tom, I had a hell of a week in the Chicago okay. Public Schools. Tell me all about it tell you where I work, but it's been a rough week. And, and Thursday especially was a terrible day. Um, so I broke up a fight between two seventh grade girls. And if you've, if you've never done that, Tom, you know, I don't recommend it. That yeah, was, I, I haven't. These, these two girls were, there, there was a bloodlust that was uh, disturbing. And yeah. uh, I, I really don't ever want to experience that again. Wow. I don't know uh I don't remember things being like that when I was young. I, I, I don't want to make parallels or too many, but and I hate to say that. I hate to be the guy who says, we never did that when we were kids, but my <laughs> God, yeah, it, it wasn't. It, it just made sense. Yeah. Then, then a kid, he stole. I've been working with this kid one-on-one, trying to help him, work with him to read, work with him on his um, decision-making, social, emotional stuff. Right. He, sto- he stole all this stuff from me. Wow. He, he he went in my room and he just picked it up and pulled it. He likes it. He's interested in it. And he just took it with some toys. You're right. So I, I had to kind of go on this detective hunt and figure out, you know, who he gave it to and what he did with it. And I finally got it all back. And, and I was explaining to him like, no, we can't do this anymore. We're going to have to, we're, there's going to be a consequence. You're going to have to stop. You know, we, we, when you see me, we're only going to work on math and we're only going to work on reading. and We're not going to do this other game stuff that you like so much until you prove that you can earn it. Right. So then he, he becomes completely, completely irrational, screaming, running. You know, just you can't talk to him. He's crying. He's wailing. We have to carry him downstairs. Wow. I have to carry him downstairs with the help of, of like a security guard and, and another teacher helped me. She was very helpful in this. We get, we get the boy downstairs. Okay. And we're carrying him literally this third grader and his mother is in the lobby. She came in. Nobody had called her. She had come in for another reason. Wow. She, we, we, we put him down and she starts wailing on him, Tom wailing on him. Like we have to get the security guard to get her off of him. Wow. Okay. Okay. Then, okay, it gets even sicker. We realize she's drunk. Completely incoherent. She's on drugs. She's drunk. She has a toddler. Kid can't be more than two years old. My God. In a stroller. The stroller. The kid is leaning forward, slumped forward, passed out. Could be asleep. Who knows? So then. We see that in the stroller, she has a 12-pack of Miller Genuine Draft sitting behind the child. Did you grab right? one? No, I didn't grab one. No. Okay. <laughs> but I felt like I needed to. So wow. she's brought alcohol in a public school. My God. 
we had to call the police wow. the ambulance. She had to be taken out. The child was taken home by the grand grandmother, but it was, it was Tom, I think I'm getting post-traumatic stress disorder Wow, from working. Wow. Out. This, really this is beyond the blackboard jungle. Oh my yeah, God. It is. It wow. is. It's, it's out of, and I, and I'm just, you know what, to say it out loud in a public forum, I'm not going to say where I work. No, I know. And, but you know, hey, kudos to you for, for, for your service in this regard, but uh, that it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm in all honesty, I'm not surprised. Um, and, and I'll tell you something else. I could tell you three or four stories that are even worse. Right. So, you know, but at the risk of, I, I, I had a hell of a week. Let's talk. It's daylight savings time. Yeah. How, how are you coping with this? Well, you know, you know I, we're, you know, obviously I don't like losing an hour. I don't like the 47 hour weekend that, that bothers <laughs> me, but you know, for years I was kind of, um, uh, I, I I didn't really have a feeling about uh, daylight savings time one way or another, except that in October I always loved that extra hour, especially when right. I was at the bar. You uh, can stay at the bar an right, hour later, right? You know? But now so. the older I get, the more I think it should just always be on daylight savings time. And and, and I just don't, I don't understand. You know, I understand why they first started, and I I read you know it basically it didn't even start in the United States until 1918. Started in the 1880s in Great Britain for purposes of coal, you know, energy purposes and so forth. I just think it's, it's a huge disruption and just make it all one thing, which would be daylight savings time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but well, the issue too, Tom, well, the issue too is kids going to school in the dark right. and that's rough, right. but anyway, so let's, let's, but let's get on to, we've got a lot to talk about yep. and uh, let's go right to the Chicago Cubs who I think they, they earned a tie yesterday in Arizona against the White Sox. So their record in the spring is, I think it's either 11 and three or 11 and two and one. Right. And they look really confident. I yeah. mean, I was, um, I was watching the other night. They were, they had a game in primetime and they were playing the, uh, who were they playing? The, the Indians. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, Trevor Bauer was pitching and they just, they were scoring runs all night. Right. Every time I was playing in a pool league and every time I look up, they're high-fiving in the dugout. Right. You know, it was just, it was funny. Yeah, so, you, you know, I I think that uh, we can't we can't get too excited about spring training because I've seen teams do really well in spring training and have terrible years and vice right. versa. Um, however, I am encouraged so far by the the front end of the rotation because they've been uh, pretty solid all the way through. And Hendricks was snapping them off yesterday, and yes, he did give up a couple of runs, but that's to be expected. Yeah. The hitters have an advantage at this time of the season. The other thing, too, there was a Cubs game last night with L.A. and the, uh, the Dodgers, and the Dodgers did beat us. Um, so, oh, so there, was, it a B, was it a B game? No, it was they played it, yesterday against the Sox. It was a complete split squad, so there was, oh, okay, there was yeah. good players on both both teams but uh uh you know it it, i'm 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 cautiously optimistic obviously i'm a cubs fan but i also feel as though it's 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 impossible to judge this team without having proper data on their uh, relief pitchers and and there just isn't enough there i'm seeing guys get lit up but that's also to be expected at this time of year i think tom i think you're reading too much into the analytics in this case I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something that encourages me at least. Okay. I think a big part of why teams struggle in the spring, okay, is because um, the conditions change so dramatically. You go from the desert; it's warm; it's the 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 sun is shining. <clears throat> you know what I mean? You 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 can play without a long sleeve shirt. You don't need gloves. So. Wait, wait, Leo, going... Leo. I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's not the point I was making. The point is, I haven't seen enough out of what I consider to be a um, uh, wonky relief staff to, to make any judgments on what 2018 is going to look like. No, and, and, and you're right, and nothing, but I, I agree 
that nothing is nothing will be determined until the games are played. And then we'll know what, what is the reality. Right. All we're doing is speculating. But Correct. here's why I think I think that because they start the season in Miami in the warm weather, you know, they're just going to and playing such a weak team. Right. They're going to come out of the gate slapping people around. I'm telling you. I hope so. It's going to be it's going to be like those Bugs Bunny cartoons, and the character just grabs the guy by the neck. And it's just back and forth with his hand. I'm telling you, they're going to be, it's going to be, this is going to be a good team and they're going to get off to a good start. You know, if they play anything like they did in the autumn of 2015 at the beginning of 2016, I'll take it because they yeah. came out of the gates in 20, in their world championship season. They were. And, they, and they were, you know, they're playing yeah. like their hair is on fire. So, um, you know, you, you pose the question, who should lead off, you know, what about yeah. the lead off position for the Cubs? Who, should, who, should, who will lead off? Who should lead off? And what do you think right. about that? Well, I think they have three options, and we're going to see them all. We have Zobrist, we have um, we have Schwarber, <laughs> well, I no. guess not, uh, but we have Hap, and then we have Almora. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think he'll go back to Schwarber, who is having, by the way, a great spring. But yeah. uh, but um, I I think that Hap has earned it. You know, he did this last season too. He had a wonderful spring. Yes, and he he should lead off. I think he has the speed. If he can see more pitches, make more contact, I think the sky's the limit. Because we don't really know what kind of player he's going to be. You know, he has to still still figure that out. But he can contribute. And I, I'd like him in there as much as possible. You know? you know, when you look from a metric standpoint for a leadoff hitter, there's there's a few um, indicators that you want to look at. You want, uh, you want to be able to get on base. So your on-base percentage is number one metric. The second metric is what is your stolen base ratio versus caught stealing ratio? Uh, that's an, and then the final metric is run scored, uh, because the leadoff hit, hitter is not really your typical table setter, but he is a guy that should lead the team in run scored or be right close to that person. So when you talk about those different players, all indications point towards half, even though he's not really your, your, if, if you had a magic wand, it would be Hayward or Baez, but neither of those guys have the on-base percentage to be a leadoff hitter uh, at the major league level. Um, it would be nice if uh, Addison Russell could be the leadoff, but he doesn't have the on-base percentage. When you really break it down, Zobrist is the best of those guys, but his best days. But he's a hundred, he's a right. hundred years old. Exactly. I mean, yeah. So all so. things, all things point to Hap, but I will tell yeah. you that Almora is a wild card in this discussion. Al Mora will play against, he will play a lot because he's a great center fielder and he will play, he will start against left-handed pitchers. Yep. So, so those two, you're right. I think we figured it out. These will be the two leadoff hitters who see the most action. Zobrist, when he plays, will play at second. He'll play in left. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, he, it's more to give, to, to rest some of these other guys. And then of course, you know, injuries happen. The, the nice thing is the Cubs are a deep team so they can survive an injury to one of these guys, you know? So that's my, the best part about it. My, my theory is that Zobris will never retire because he doesn't want to have to go home to that goofy wife of his. <laughs> that's harsh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, <laughs> so, I've sat next but, to her at ball games. Trust me on this one. Um, so I want to forget about John Lester bouncing it to first. I think that's sort of nonsense. Um, it, 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 we hear the same thing about him every year you yeah. know, that he can't throw to first and how teams are going to take advantage of him. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, but in the end, it's never really why 
he loses when he loses. You know no, I mean? right, right. It, it, it's never the reason why he loses a game. And he wins more often than he loses. So I think it's a non-issue. I do, too. You know? I do, too. But I do want to talk about the fact that the Cubs have five outfielders. And this is a little part, a little bit of part of the leadoff hitter discussion. But they have Hayward, Almora, Happ, Schwarber, and Zobrist. That's five outfielders to play three positions. All of them have tremendous advantages. And all of them have some distinct disadvantages. Yes. Who do you think will get the most? The three that will get the most plate appearances out of this group. Based on everything that I'm seeing and have seen, it will be Elmora, Happ, and Schwarber. Wow. That is a, not a good defensive outfit. No, it is not. But, it's, but it, I, yeah. I, Hayward, if you cannot bat at the major league level, I don't care how great defensively you are. And Zobris, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Zobris is, gets cut or waived. No way. Zobris will be here to the bitter end. No, 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 <laughs> I know. I know no, no, but no, no, no. I just, no one wants, I'm, no, there yeah, is a I, log jam in the outfield. There is a big log jam. And I think an injury is the only thing that may settle it. Right, but, right. But, but I think Hayward, you have to play because – Right field is such a linchpin. And the big problem with Hayward is not that he can't. He can hit balls that are over the plate and away. He cannot handle the inside pitch. And that's all he's seen for the last two years. I know that. And it, until he proves that he can handle that pitch, he will have a hard time playing against uh, – he will have a hard time playing. If know? he played for Sparky, Sparky would only bat him situationally, and he would only field him after the seventh inning. Telling you, you've got to be able to hit your weight in the major league. Sorry, but uh, we got to move on. Yeah, we do. We do. So Mike Mustakas, he just signs a six and a half million dollar contract with the Kansas City Royals. Lance Lynn, when I wrote up the the, the sheet, yeah. Lance Lynn was unsigned, but you say he has been signed. That's correct. He signed with who? Do you, who, do you, who the who twins? Twins for twelve million dollars. Oh, okay. For how many years? One year. Wow. <laughs> yep. Do you think? Do you think Lance Lynn regrets turning down the qualifying offer of $17.5 million? Do you spell collusion with two L's? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Because this is just like 1985 and 86 all over again, if you it, ask me. It, it, you can't call it collusion, though. Uh, no, <laughs> not legally you can't. No, not legally. Not <laughs> legally. Because the players help create the situation. Yes. I correct. mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's based on an agreement that they bargained for. They, they either have to change the agreement to – I don't know, figure out a way to, to, to deal with the inefficiency that causes this. But, but you know, they help create the circumstances. So, and, and I think more to do with it, it's not the money. It's the draft pick that you lose because you make the qualifying offer. That's why teams are reluctant to sign these guys. That's the biggest reason. That you and know? Scott Boris, who represents a lot of these unsigned players, who's, who's despised around the league. People don't like to do business with the guy. That's well, cool. yeah, he has relationships with he has good relationships with certain owners. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think he I think the failure is he failed to predict that this was going to happen. You know what I mean? He was bamboozled, so to speak. And I think that says more about his place in all of this than anything. Yeah, you know, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago. I think this is a market correction. I think ultimately you can't play pay players twenty five and thirty million dollars a year when when yeah. the, when the stands are half filled around the major leagues. You can't do it. So no, no you can't. All right. So uh, that 
but but that's a really odd situation that these guys turned down lucrative qualifying offers and now right. they're going to be making less annually than they could have. It's it's you know not just less, a lot less in the case of of uh, Mustakis who set the Royals record for home runs last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling to me. And to me, it's collusive. I don't care what anybody says. But. All right. So um, let, let's move on. Let's get around the league a little yep. bit. Uh, D- Dallas Keuchel of the Houston Astros. He was asked about a possible World Series hangover for the uh, Astros after, you know, so that maybe they don't play so well this year. And he says, right. you know, we're not the Cubs. And so then it's all over, you know, it's all over Chicago media. Yeah. That this guy is dissing the Cubs. Right. He doesn't know what it is. God. What do you think he's going to say? Oh, I don't know. What but, do you but, think a guy? I mean, I think you're going to say, you know, we're going to come out and play bad, or right. he's going to say, I'm as confident as possible because I'm the goddamn world champion. Right. Anyway. Well, you know, Keuchel hasn't been the same since he took that ball to the head, but uh, <laughs> you know, but but it's just stupid. Dallas, I'm sure if he had to do it all over again in the 24 hour media we live in, you got to be really careful with your words. You can't you can't talk like that. And I think that's anytime you give a team locker room uh you know something they could post up in their locker room it's it's shame on you fortunately for houston they would only play us one time and that would be uh in late october and early november and i hope right. it, i hope it happens quite frankly because i do too because i, I too. he could say whatever he wants about uh the cubs but we're a better team than him and i'll take our team over their team and they got some talented players they got they got they got the best player though in in Altuve. Yes. It's just, he's in stop. Yeah, but you know what? I wouldn't want to trade Rizzo and Bryant for basically anybody. That's true, too. It's It's the tall versus the short. Right. All right. All right. So, so, uh, Tommy LaStella has been. LaStella. He's been been pranking the Cubs' uh, front office. And he's been parking in Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein's parking spaces in Arizona. And then, so what they did to retaliate, they said, if you're going to park in the GM spot, you got to dress like a GM. So they they took his uniform and gave him khakis and a golf shirt. Right. And he had to cut, he had to cut the seams to get them to fit over his legs, you know. Yeah. But But then he retaliates by putting a jumpy castle in in their parking spaces, you know, for kids. Right. And uh, that was... That's tremendous. I love it. I love that they're doing stuff like this. This is so great. I do too, but I, you know me, and we've talked about this in the yeah, – La, La is a marginal player. and, and He's not. Yes, he's he is. Not. What, what team would he start for in the major league? He is He is a good left-handed hitter. He could start – He could He'd be start the for the White Sox, base. maybe. He could start for the White Sox, yes. I, I'll, I submit he's a better infielder than uh, Tim Anderson. I would yeah, rather have yeah. Lestella start than Tim Anderson because yeah. he's left-handed – and he, he's better line, dri- line drive rate, all that stuff. And, and so, by the way, when I was researching the leadoff hitters, he's got the best on base percentage of all really? of those guys. Yeah, he's the, only, he's the only one that's over three and a half. All the rest of them, including Hayward, is, certainly in the last two or three years, are under. So, you know, I, 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 I love Listella. I always love the, the, the club, clubhouse clown. I, you know, they had a, yeah. a Japanese player a couple years ago. That guy was fantastic. Yeah, um, that, yes, yes, Kawasaki or whatever. But, uh, but, you know, it's good to have a guy like this on a club. And uh, you can watch him now on Facebook, 25 games a year. They'll be streaming them. Uh, will you be uh, tuning in? Uh, no, but I will either like or hit the wow button every once in a while. 
<laughs> All right. Now I want to kind of we should take it down a little bit. We yeah. need to show we need to show some reverence because I want to talk about someone, an article that basically you turned me on to that was in ESPN the magazine. Yeah. You shared it with me. Um who's it by? It's uh, yeah. but before before you start on that, I just want to segue oh. into that. I know what you're gonna say. But oh, you know, right. there, there was there was a lot of hubbub in the off season about this uh Japanese uh phenom, uh Otani. Who ultimately, yeah, who, who ultimately, uh, through his agent, was attempting to, to get uh, one of the largest contracts that any player's ever signed um, uh, with the Dodgers and the Cubs. The Cubs passed on him, and as did the Dodgers. No, who, who, the Cubs were passed on. Oh, we're we're past that. I stand corrected. You're right. Yeah. And, the, and the Dodgers were too, but the Dodgers were completely unimpressed and felt that not only was Otani – an arrogant guy who never wouldn't look him in the eye when they had meetings, but his agent was even worse. And so now I'm going to have to ask you, what's your source on this? Cause I haven't heard this. Uh, I, I, in all, I can't remember, but it was, it was somewhere online. It was either ESPN. It was a reputable source. It could have been MLB rumors.com. I'm not sure, but all right. the, the we'll point, for that. the point is, is that um, he's struggling mightily in the spring. And, and what scouts are saying about this guy is that he um, cannot hit major league pitching and specifically he cannot hit curveballs. And mm. Ker- Kershaw who faced him last week, all, did all he could to stop laughing when he was pitching to him. That's he made, yeah. he made him, Kershaw. look he made him look silly up there. And so then yeah. yesterday or the day before he pitches against a Mexican league team and gives up six runs in an inning and a half. So, I just I wonder if 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 the Angels uh, were sold a bad bill of goods. I, I I hope for the best for this kid, but I just wonder. And I've seen this t- happen time and time again. When you go back and look at some of the um, players coming from Asia, you don't see this with Spanish players. You certainly don't see this with American and African American players. But when players come over from Asia, it's been my experience that they're very highly touted, and the reason is is because they're great well disciplined disciplined players who hit off speed pitches pretty well um, yeah. but they they can't really uh, historically have, they haven't done well against um, in the major league with the exception of, with, with with the exception of Matsui and Noma and Darvish and Oka and uh, Matsuzaka who's all had really good success but then there's one player that um, sticks out the best of them all of of them all and a first ballot hall of famer. And that's of course, Ichiro Suzuki. And so, you you know, you referenced this article um, that was written by uh, Wright Thompson that was in ESPN this week. That was an insight into um, what I would call Ichiro's lonely life. It just seems as though, you know, what, what D Gordon said, he's worried about Ichiro that if if when he retires that he might die because his whole life is baseball. No, you're right. And, and we're, we're getting this article, and I highly recommend this, and we'll post the link somewhere. You know, if you go, go to my – send us an email, and you are in the wheelhouse uh, at gmail.com. But, but you really get an insight into why this guy is the greatest hitter who ever lived, okay? Yeah. He, he's be- – I don't care what you say. He is better than Pete Rose. And if yes. for no other reason in that he has a much better moral character. Okay? <laughs> and his – I'm serious. And his I know. commitment – it is so martial. It is so fundamentally Japanese in his commitment to being excellent at one thing, simplifying everything else. But, yeah. he, but, but it's also created a life that's tragic because yes. he, you know, he has very few relationships with people. He's 
alone out there. And yep. you wanted to talk about a story. This was very interesting. This this blew me away. If you read this article, there's six or seven things that'll blow you away. But I want to hear you tell me about well, this. Well, there, there's, there's a couple things that stuck out. One of them is just how he is a... Um, uh, kind of a prisoner of routine, like a lot of Major yeah. League Baseball players. If you remember back in the day, Wade Boggs would only eat chicken um, yeah. every day, and it had to be cooked a certain way, and uh, his wife learned how to do it, and his various mistresses did too. Um, but, uh, you know, baseball has always had uh, superstition and, and routine, and uh, I, I read a story when, he, uh, when Ichiro went to the Yankees the very first time, Everything's got to be a certain way with him. And yeah. he, had, he had noticed that in his locker, his bat had been moved up eight inches away where yeah. he likes it. And yeah. so the attendant said, oh, I did that because I have to put your uniforms and, sh you know, your, your yeah. clean stuff so in there every day. He, yeah. he goes, don't ever do that again. Yeah. That, he, can't he, that, that can't happen. That can't happen, right. Yeah. <laughs> that can't happen. I, I was like, you've got to be kidding yeah, me. He bumped the bat when he like was putting in a uniform on a hanger in the locker. Yes. And that's why it moved. Exactly. And and, and each, so from then on, they always folded everything up and put it like on a stool or something, you know, or they would just give it to him physically and let him put it away. You know what I mean? He, it's just, he's crazy. He, Ichiro swings the baseball bat every single day of the year. He yeah. never takes a day off. He rents yeah. a stadium in Japan in the winter. Oftentimes it's in the low 30s from a temperature standpoint. He gets various sycophants to, yeah. uh, and people that cook his food. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a baseball player, but just put on a glove and go out there and catch the balls that he hits. Um, but one thing that stuck out was when he was uh, Mike Sweeney, or first baseman Mike Sweeney tells a story that when he played with Ichiro um, and uh, Ichiro was on the Yankees, um, one of his friends told him that on one of their days, who's also a major leaguer, he didn't name who the guy was, uh, was walking uh, in Central Park with his wife. And it was a beautiful day. Like, and if you've ever been to Central Park, you'll you know exactly what he was talking about. It's 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 breathtaking at times. Um, and he noticed that there was this old baseball field. It looked like something out of the 1940s. And a guy was playing uh, a 300 feet long toss. And and what piqued his attention was that this guy was throwing this ball like a pea over and over again. And as he got closer, the guy moved towards the backstop and started hitting balls against the backstop. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. That sound is yeah. amazing. That, that's a professional hitter. And it was yeah. Ichiro by himself hitting balls yeah. into an empty old ball park <laughs> that kids play on. And, and to me, that, that, is, that is Ichiro Suzuki right there. And I, while I don't know that he's the greatest hitter that ever lived, to me, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. And there's no question in my mind that he has the most hits. Where Ichiro yeah. comes up short against Babe Ruth and other hitters is on his power numbers. But from a hit standpoint, um, and also from a defensive standpoint, and also how he attacks the game, it may be greater than any other player that's ever lived. But uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Babe Ruth's uh, win above replacement is 183. That's 20 points bigger than any other player that's ever lived. It's hard to say that he's better than Babe Ruth. I think, though, you know what he'll have to do is at some point to save his life, you know, in light of D. Gordon's comments, to save his own life, he will have to take the step into becoming a teacher, into becoming a coach, into accepting the role that his father had done with him. Because this is the other aspect of that article is that Ichiro's father just drilled him from the moment he was five years old. 
he, he, Ichiro talked about how he never had a childhood. Right. He played with other children maybe twice a year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and he just, I mean, and so now they don't speak. They hate what he, he, he won't speak to his father at all. And when Ichiro takes the step into fulfilling his destiny and becoming that, which was his father is he'll save his life. I hope he can do it. Yeah, like I mentioned to you in the show notes when we wrote this up, it's a Shakespearean story. I think there's really a movie in, movie in here somewhere. He's a very, very interesting person, and he certainly is a slam-dunk Hall of Famer. And I agree with your comments earlier that had he played in the major leagues at age 22, he very well may be, be been approaching f uh, 5,000 Five, yeah. yeah, He'd stay in until he got to 5,000, yeah. and he would – yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, that, it's been a nice show. If you have any questions, if you have any questions or comments – please send them to our email address at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Tom, I'll see you next week. Have a good one. All right.